The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? You know, Lloyd, our show is about bullying, whether it's offline or online. It has become a huge issue And especially in the information age, we've seen young people committing suicide, losing their friends, going into Great Depression. And this is a a very, very tragic time for us when this bullying is going on. And so we're so thrilled because we're going to be interviewing Ben Leikling, Ph.D., who has written several books. And one of the books is called Parenting Bullyproof Kids, Stop School Bullies in Their Tracks. I have these right in front of me. Another one is How to Stop Bullies in Their Tracks by Ben Leikling. There were 20 cases of people who succeeded against controllers, critics, manipulators, emotional intimidators, and self-bullying. Another one that accompanies this book is called Bullies Below Their Radar, Wise Up, Stand Up, and Stay Up so you can get treated like you want by Ben Leikling also. Even adults bully. You know, I see this in domestic violence. Anybody can be bullying. But usually when you're older, you can deal with it a little bit easier. So we're going to talk about all of this with Ben today. I think it it goes very, very much to the issue of privacy and, and the deep private feelings that people have and the invasion of privacy that we see when people overstep boundaries. So let me tell you a little bit about Ben. I had found him actually in Radio TV Interview Magazine, and he's a member of the National Speakers Association like I am, so I knew that he would be a wonderful guest. So Ben Leikling, Ph.D., has studied how to stop bullies since his own childhood on the mean streets of New York City. He has six adult children, 13 grandchildren, and lives in beautiful Denver, the home of Columbine High School, which you remember all the horrible things that happened there. After a 23-year career as a research scientist, he became a practical down-to-earth coach and consultant to help people create bully-free lives in the real world that is full of bullies. He's a nationally syndicated columnist, and over 300 of his articles have appeared in business, trade, and psychotherapy publications across the country. And his expertise has been featured in Women's Day, Family Circle, USA Weekend, Entrepreneur, and the Harvard Management Update. In plain English, not psycho jargon, Dr. Ben has written books of his case studies, which I told you the names, and here's like the most recent, Bullies Below the Radar, How to Wise Up, Stand Up, and Stay Up. That's his second edition, and How to Stop Bullies in Their Tracks. So thank you so much, Ben, for joining us from beautiful Colorado. Oh, thank you. I'm 
so glad to be talking with you, and uh, thanks for that wonderful review of my life. <laughs> well, I have to ask you a question before we even get started. You were a research scientist for 23 years. What kind of research did you do? Biomedical research, how genes express themselves. I was at, when I came to Denver, I was at the University of Colorado Health Science Center and then moved to National Jewish Hospital. And so that was real hardcore science. And then in 1985, I finally, finally started making the transition into what I really wanted to do, which was the people side of things. I had seen a lot of bullies in the laboratory, not huh. so much people fist fighting, right. but those sneaky, manipulative, backstabbing, controlling scientist prima donnas wow. who would do that to them, you know, each other and to the technicians. And that's what I wanted to focus on. Wow. You know, I, I thought it would be interesting since you'd done, you know, all this biochemist. I mean, I wonder if there is any biochemistry that happens when somebody is bullying does it, I wonder if it would show up in the brain the answer is yes really so first on the bully side of it that aggression shows up you can do brain scans and you'll see the difference but especially in the victims yes you get long lasting biochemical changes and that lasts can last a whole lifetime. So what happens is kids who are bullied and can't respond successfully and shift from being targets into feeling like victims. Hmm. They have tremendous physical, mental, emotional, psychological problems later in life and tend to perpetuate victim behavior. They're the kind of people who will grow up and be victims in love life, victim spouses, and victims at work, and victims with their friends. They'll have bullying, controlling friends. Ben, let me ask you something. So, and, and I don't want to go into this too much because I know you've gotten into the the practical world. But you know, I was just watching recently on. Um, you know, some things on 60 Minutes where they had these brain scans that they could tell what people are thinking. It showed, you know, people could actually read your mind. And then they had other ones that showed memory and how people who have better memories or who can remember everything actually have the the brain cortex in the front is bigger. And I'm just wondering now with all this chemistry that you can see with MRIs and CAT scans and all these different things, you know, how this would show up and if there are if people change the way they're acting, like if, they, if they're able to overcome that victimization or victimhood, does the brain scan change again? Yes, it does. Wow. Um, and and the, way, sort of, the way to think about it is that anything that goes on in our minds and our emotions will have consequences in our bodies. Right. Biochemistry. And... Those are long-lasting. You know, for example, if, if you were to get really angry, all that adrenaline rush, right? it takes a long time to get rid of that. Similarly, if you're really afraid and you live in fear all the time, right? your body starts feeling and looking like it's living in fear, and it takes a long time to get rid of that biochemistry and to do rewiring yeah. so that you really stop feeling afraid. When you become an adult, and right. you have uh, skills, and you're as big as the 
other people and you know how to do things. You need to rewire your brain. I do a lot of coaching and psychotherapy to help people do that. Right. And, you know, I I had read some of the research that was done, for example, at Harvard about how meditating, for example, can change the brain so that people who are living in fear or people who are living with this anxiety that meditation can also change the brain chemistry as well. So it's it's pretty fascinating stuff, huh? Yes. And what I've found, and this is extensive personal experience, but, you know, not a real scientific study, is that there are many people for whom meditation will work. Uh, They almost have that meditative personality. And then there are other people who really need physical activities to rewire themselves, whether it's walking, running, physical exertion. And so you have to find out what's good for you. Everything I say has to be tailored to fit the individual. Yeah, so whether you're, if you're walking or running, you might get your endorphins going, so that kind of chemistry heats up, or or for me, you know, I mean, that works for me to exercise, but also if I meditate, I know that I can change the way I feel as well. So I don't know, I guess there would be, it would just be interesting. I think all of these issues, as you said, the biochemistry in our body changes, so it's uh, it's pretty fascinating stuff. So let's talk a little bit about this bullying and yeah. just make sure you talk into your microphone okay. so we hear you yes. really good. Um, whose fault is harassment or bullying and abuse and, well, and who should stop it? Okay. I always start with the bully. Obviously, the bully is making a choice, uh, whether it's harassment, abuse, domestic violence, whatever. And when we're talking about kids, I also put in the parents of the bully. Most kids who bully, it's because they haven't been taught better, because they see examples of bullying between their mothers and fathers, between their parents and service people, you know, waiters, waitresses, clerks. They see bullying all the time, and they're bullied, and they don't learn anything else. But then, I mean, that everyone sort of knows. But what I add in is that the main factor is that the kids don't learn how to stop it. And so You mean the victims the, don't learn the how? The targets. Yeah. I'm going to always say targets. Okay, okay, not victims. Yeah, right. <laughs> because it's a big difference. To those who receive Right, those who receive the bullying, okay? Yes. Okay. And it's that the targets don't learn how to stop them and usually the fault there is well-meaning parents who don't teach those kids how to protect themselves. And that's what converts them into victims because they don't learn how because their parents don't know how. Right. And their parents don't know how to move the system. I mean, there are many, let's take school, there are many principals who allow bullying to happen in their schools for many reasons. And it's the parents' job to support principals who want to stop bullying and to, and I'll use a heavy word, to force reluctant principals into doing their job. And teachers as well. You know, before I became a lawyer, I was a teacher, a high school teacher and a junior high teacher. And junior high kids are worse than high school kids. But, oh, you know, yeah. but they're, they're real monkeys. But 
I have to tell you that, you know, I, I never allowed that in my classroom and we would talk about things, but I think that parents, yes, need to do things and need to teach things at home. And a lot of parents, and the truth of the matter is they're working hard all day. They're exhausted at night. Their kids are on the computer. They don't see their kids. I mean, that's the reality that teachers and the schools spend more time with kids than parents do. Yes. And and when I say principals, I only sort of use that as a catch term, like you say, for teachers, for school board members, for school district administrators. Even though you could do it in your classroom, because you are who you are, most schools that I've been at, it's the principal who sets the tone. Yes. A principal who wants to uh, prevent bullying in their school will make that happen. Well, if they put it as a priority. Yeah. And, And the parents as well. You know, if they say there is no bullying between you kids... You know, I, I see parents sometimes who just let their kids fight and say, okay, you know, that's all right. You have to learn to defend yourself, you know, without giving them the skills of how to defend themselves or how to talk things out or how to deal with things in a different ma- manner. Yes. And in some ways, well, we always start with physical violence, you know, kids beating each other up or hitting. But in a way, that's easier because it's obvious. Right. I mean, you can see kids fighting. And, and you can get in there and try to find out who started it, and you can see repeating patterns of kids picking on other kids. And if you're at school, you patrol the usual areas. You know, you look where the lockers are, the bathrooms are, the playgrounds, the cafeteria, and you can see that physical stuff. The other kind of bullying that can be even worse are, you know, there's uh, five kinds I can talk about, but... The second kind, after the overt, is what I call the stealthy, covert, emotional bullying. That's the bullying below the radar. The sort of catchphrase for that is, think mean girls. Although yes. men do it also, boys do yes. it also. Yes. You know, the cutouts, the innuendos, the backstabbing, the put-downs, the rumors, the cliques. Yes. You know, I'll be your best friend as long as you do what I want you to do. Right. And I'll stab you in the back. Right. You, you, like you said, junior high, that junior high behavior. The second, uh, the next kind of the internet or cyber, uh, cyber bullying, and you have to use a whole bunch of different tactics against that. And, and the other one is the self-bullying, which is the worst. Hmm. The self-bullying of those internal voices where people put themselves down relentlessly and predict failure for themselves. Those are the little voices, you know, especially in junior high, high school, where people, the kids think, I'm fat, I'm dumb, I'm ugly, no one will love me, I'm a loser, I deserve to get bullied. Right, the peer pressure of not not measuring up. (laughs) Right. Right. Yes. And if people do that, then they're going to be very susceptible to those mean girls, mean boys. So if you have self-thought like that, you attract more of that thought from others to you as well. Right. And that's, you know, if you have low self-esteem, low confidence, you have a lot of self-doubt, it's like walking around wearing a sign saying, I'm a victim, hit me. Yes. Bullies are predators. 
Mm -hmm. you think of them as predators, it sort of makes sense. They will detect who the weak ones are, the isolated ones, the ones who won't fight back, the ones who will just take it, the ones who will become victims. And aren't bullies usually the ones that they themselves don't feel good about themselves so that they have to be bullying? Yeah, usually. And actually, the question you're asking is a very important one because I think my observations, my experience, it leads us down a wrong path in, in the following way. You know, we you're absolutely right. Bullies have learned that bullying works. It's all they know. It's the only way to get what they want. And so they do it. Here's the trap. If we focus on feeling sorry for them and on their therapy, we tend not to stop the behavior until we've rehabilitated them. And I'm the only person I know in this, this area of stopping bullies that goes around saying, first, stop the behavior. Oh, of course. Yes, yes. Oh, no. I, I mean, know, that makes sense to me. You, st- you know. <laughs> you know you taught. You yeah, taught. Yeah. But I can't tell you the number of schools I've walked into where the schools are saying, well, we're trying to work to uh, change the way these bullies are, to increase their self-esteem, and that's when bullying will go away. And they're not doing anything to protect the targets. No, they have to draw boundaries first. Right. And that's the first uh, important thing in converting the kids and rehabilitating them is where they see their behavior no longer works. Well, you know, I think about all the jails. You know, every every week I do this thing called Orange County Sheriff News and Safety Tips. I'm a sheriff reserve here in Orange County, and I interview uh, people from the sheriff's department, and I've been in, interviewing some people from the jails, you know, and they're trying to prevent recidivism. And um, so I've been asking, like, what do you do for rehabilitation? And they're really trying to do some very good things in Orange County Sheriff's Department. But what happens is, is... Yes, you may be able to stop it on the outside, but then it occurs, the bullying occurs, you know, in the pecking level within the jails. Right. And, and you know, so so you keep them there away from, you know, the outside society, but they've got this new society where they're bullying. And, you know, how do you, you got to stop this craziness. I mean, yes, you got to stop it. But how do you how do you really stop it? And and you can't just say you can't do that. You have to rehabilitate. You have to kind of change their whole way of thinking for them to change their lives. Yes, I agree. And you have much more experience in the jails, in the prisons. And that's why I always go for sort of two things that have to be done at the same time. You have to stop the behavior and then work on changing people and rehabilitating them. And to take it back, well, I can go with domestic violence. Yeah, let's talk about bullies in love. Yeah. You see all these things with grown-ups. And I'll say it as men bullying women. We know it happens the other way. Absolutely. But just to keep my pronouns, you have women who think if only they're nice enough, if only they were good enough, if only they pleased him enough, he'd stop beating them. Right. And that's just not true. Right. That they have to protect themselves, 
They have to get out of there, and um, law enforcement has to protect them. Yes. That's the first step in the rehabilitation is when a bully, a perpetrator, sees that it's not working and he's getting into real trouble. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I say that is bullying is normal. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, I, I say that so people will perk up and listen. When babies are growing up, they have to be demanding to get what they want. They have to demand that you feed them, change their diapers, whatever. And uh, they must do that in order to survive. The job of the parents then is to sort of socialize them into better ways of doing it. What happens with bullies is they don't learn better ways of getting what they need. They do the bullying. They see bullying works. They see grabbing what they want, beating up other people, makes them get what they want. They feel powerful. And if they're not stopped, and if they're not taught other ways of doing it, they're going to grow up to be bullying husbands. They're going to grow up to be bullying bosses. Right. And so we have to accept that, okay, there are these people, there are these kids who have learned bullying, so we have to do two things. Stop the behavior in school. Get them out of the classroom. Remove them from the targets. And then do the rehabilitation, do the psychotherapy, do the counseling, convert them. But we can't let them continue doing it. And I've seen so many schools where they say, well, bullying is bad, but they don't stop the bullying. They actually do bad things to the targets, as if the targets are asking for it, as if those abused women in domestic violence cases are really doing something bad. Right. And deserve to get beaten up. You know, you know, we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, Irvine, and people are dating and, and there are people listening that they, they go online and they meet people. So let's talk about, since we don't want to have bullying and we want people not to be victims, but we want them to watch boundaries and not allow the bu- bullying to happen to them. What are seven warning signs that you talk about um, that you can tell if you're dating a sneaky, manipulative bully? Ah, so that's a great question, and I want girls and guys to perk up. Okay, the first one is they make the rules. They control everything. You have to ask their permission to do things. They're the ones who are going to order for you, who are going to tell you what's right, going to tell you what clothes to wear, who you should talk to, where you should be, and that's, quote, a control freak. Mm. They push the boundaries and argue endlessly. Mm. You're never right. They're always right. They'll withhold approval and love if you don't do what they want. They can be late. They can um, break promises, but you can't. So they're going to push, and and whatever you tell them is don't do that. They might say, oh, yes, yes, but then they're going to push that boundary, push that boundary. Their standards rule. For example, if you're upset by a joke, it's because you're, you don't have a sense of humor. 
or um, you're too sensitive. And if you want to talk about it, then the next one is their issue matters more. So that if you say, ouch, that hurt, don't do that, they'll get hurt feelings, and your job is to make them feel better. Uh So that they'll never deal with the original thing they did. They'll pick on your phobias. They'll call you names in public. They'll uh, expose your secrets in public. And they're just kidding. Right. Or that's what they say they are doing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, your job, get away from them right away. You know, don't spend your life going on that roller coaster ride. Another one is their disapproval. They put you down. They blame on you. They call you names. You're always wrong. And they are hypersensitive. They are like, I call them professional victims. If you ever say they did anything wrong, why, their feelings are tremendously hurt. And you're going to have to beg their forgiveness for weeks Hmm. before you get it. So, so if you're in a relationship that you bring up some issue in the relationship and they immediately turn around and blame you and start picking on you, then that's a really good sign that they're a bully. Right. And they'll find something. Well, you did just that same thing. Instead of, instead of talking it out and problem solving it, it right. becomes a blame game. Yes. Yes. And the other thing there is you're afraid you're going to trigger a violent rage. Mm. You're walking on eggshells. Right. Right? You're afraid if you say something bad, they'll commit suicide. Right. They're controlling you by either threatening you or by being so hypersensitive. Now, those are just some of the examples. And I, I say, give people a chance. Right? But... When you're thinking about getting into a relationship, there's very little on the line. And so if they were to say, and here's another one of the uh, techniques that those bullies do, if they were to say, you'll never find anyone as good as they are, right. you're uh, what, fat, ugly, stupid, whatever you know people say, all those horrible things, you're incompetent, you're helpless, you won't have any other friends, run. Yes. Get away from there. You don't need that in your life. Don't become a social worker. You're not getting paid for it. Right. And you're never going to change someone. They have right. to want to change themselves. There's nothing on the line. Get away fast. We are speaking today with Ben Liking, who is a Ph.D. He has studied how to stop bullies since his childhood on the mean streets of uh, New York City. He was a research scientist for 23 years. He's a nationally syndicated columnist, and over 300 of his articles have appeared in many trade magazines. He's also been featured in Women's Day, Family Circle, USA Weekend, Entrepreneur, Harvard Management Update. And he is the author of three books that I have right in front of me, fascinating books. One of them here is called Bullies the Below the Radar, Wise Up, Stand Up, and Stay Up, so you can get treated like you want. Another one right here is How to Stop Bullies in Their Tracks. And this is 20 case studies of people who succeeded against those controllers, the critics, the manipulators, the emotional intimidators, and the self-bullying. 
And this is a companion to that other book, Bullies Below the Radar. And then there's this little book here that I think is great. It's called Parenting Bully-Proof Kids. Stop School Bullies in Their Tracks. So these are three books. Let me ask you, Ben. So, you know, we know there's lots of bullies. What are some of the top reasons why people don't stop bullies right away? Well, the top reasons are usually not the one people think, which is they don't know how. We really do know how most of the time, especially with adults. The top reasons people don't is because they think they shouldn't. They don't give themselves permission. They think there's something wrong with them because the bully tells them that. They start to believe it. Accept it. Yes. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I was just kind of adding on and say, yeah, they, they start to believe it. If they're told, you're crazy. I remember I was married to a psychiatrist for 18 years. and, and toward, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, and toward the end, he would tell me, you're crazy. And you know what? I started to believe it because he, he had this expertise. You know, then I finally realized I'm not crazy and it's time to get out. But, but yeah, you know, when you're close with someone and they're telling you something all the time, like if a parent tells a kid you're stupid or you're dumb or you're lazy or this, I mean, you you get that ingrained into you, right? Right. And bullies are completely 110% convinced they're right. And so the rest of us who always say, well, it might be this or it might be that, I better look at it, we're putty in their hands. <laughs> yeah, anybody who's, who's in, you know, has insight will try and look within and say, gee, what part of that is me? <laughs> right. So the second one goes along with that is in our time, we think we have to understand, analyze, and be sympathetic to bullies. Mm. I'm not. What I'm sympathetic to, and I ask everyone to get sympathetic to their future, that is, everyone should want to create sort of a space around them, personal space and expand that and expand that to be a life. And the criterion to get in is not whether a person's a good person, a nice person, is simply how do they behave? And if they behave nice, then they can get into your space. If, on the other hand, when they get in, it hurts, you don't have to judge them. You don't have to understand them. You're not being paid to be their therapist. Get them out of the space. Float them off your island. Yes. And that goes against what everyone learns. You have to understand. The third one is people think if I resist, I'll become a bully. And bullies always accuse people of this. If you say They project, basically. They're projecting their own bulliness. Right. And the answer is no. You won't become a bully. It's your job to keep this space, your life. You know, you sound like you've been divorced, so you have this personal space. You have your car. You have your home. You have your friends, lovers, relationships right now. Keep the jerks out. The biggest present you can give yourself for Valentine's Day is dump the jerk. Right. And, and you know, it's... Boundaries. This is really yeah. all about boundaries. And I think 
you know, I, I have a master's in psychology. I'm, I am a, a lawyer, but I, and I never practice psychology, but it sure helps me in my business as a mediator. But I can see that this is really all about boundaries and boundaries are not easy to say, these are my boundaries. I'm not going to overstep them to you. Don't you overstep your boundaries to me. And that is a lifelong learning, don't you think? Yes. And, and I would add a phrase at the end of your wonderful sentence about, um, don't you overstep those boundaries with me? Comma, if you do, here's what's going to happen. Yes. Uh, one of us will be leaving. I, I think, so here's a technique that anyone can use. Think of your life in terms of uh, a target with a bullseye and then a circle around it and then a circle around that and a circle around that. In the center of the circle is your core. And that's, people may not do that. I won't tolerate it. And at the same time, I must have these other things. So, for example, I hope everyone who's listening has in there, if he hits me, he's gone. One strike, you're out. Right. And so you have to keep that core. And then you put things around that you need a little less. Well, you know, some people get angry and argue, but they are working on it and it gets less and less. So that might be in the second circle and then a third circle and a fourth. Now, here's the key about boundaries. If someone pushes a boundary and breaks a boundary, you move them further out. You don't let them stay in the third circle. You move them to the fourth, to the fifth. So that what happens in domestic violence often is, you know, Someone beats somebody up and then comes with a box of chocolates. Right. And you say, oh, I'll forgive him. And you keep him at the you know, third circle. And he beats you up again, and then he comes with a bigger box of chocolates or flowers. You say, oh, I'll keep him at the third circle. No. Move him way out there. That's one of those once you're out. Or he spends all the money. Or he messes around with your best friend. You know, those are all the way out. And then you have others where you just move it systematically until the person is off your island. Yes. That's how you keep boundaries. You know, I noticed when I do divorce mediation, for example, and, and people who come to me usually are smarter because they don't want to litigate. Okay. I don't get a right. lot of domestic violence, but I do get bullies. I don't bullies. Otherwise they wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't take their case if that was really the issue. But but there, there's bullies on either one, either side or the other, and sometimes they both become bullies during the process. But, you know, when you're a bully and when you have a long-term marriage and little kids, it's much more of a challenge to watch those boundaries because of the other emotions that, that become part of the issue, like they, they stay longer than they should because of the children, or they stay longer than they should because they don't have a career and they don't have any means of support. So what do you say in those situations? So I say you're absolutely right. Unlike the kids on campus who may be a first or second date, when you're married, when you have kids, there's a huge amount on the line, and it always takes longer, and yet... What I say is, again, going back to that target, look carefully at it and think about what matters most to you. 
is someone a bully to the kids? Is someone harassing and abusing you? What lesson will that teach your sons and daughters? And that has become criteria because I've seen so many women, they, they wouldn't protect themselves, but they realize that if they put up with the abuse and the harassment, they're teaching their daughters to put up with it. And, and it's a modeling behavior, behavior for their sons as well. Exactly. It teaches their sons, you know, like that poem, children learn what they live and your actions speak louder than your words. You know, if we have abusive relationships and the kids see that, then the abuser, the, the children will either become the abusers or they'll become the victims like you're talking about. And so you're creating that, that next generation of the fulfillment of this prophecy. And that's usually what motivates people to finally do something. They wouldn't yeah. do it for themselves, but they see the effect on their sons and daughters. And, and then they're willing to do something. And they'll say, I won't be that kind of modeling. You're absolutely right. Um, and that's what moves people. Yes. And you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. I'm the host of Privacy Piracy, and we air every morning from 8 to 9 a.m. right here on KUCI. And we're speaking with a wonderful guest who is an expert on bullying and how to stop it. And his name is Ben Liking, and he's got three books that I've got right in front of me, How to Stop Bullies in Their Tracks. And this is lots of case studies about the issues and how to, how to handle it. Uh, another one is Parenting Bullying, Proof Kids. Uh, parent bully, I'm sorry, can I talk today? Parent bully proof your kids. Stop school bullies in their tracks. And the other book right here is Bullies Below the Radar. Wise up, stand up, and stay up so you can get treated like you want. Let's talk a little bit. Let's change gears a little bit and talk about cyberbullying. You know, with everybody online, whether it's kids on Facebook or MySpace or people on LinkedIn or any of all of these social networking sites or just emails. I see people sending me copies of emails that are bullying. And some of it is an interesting way that they do it. It's like cyber identity theft. So they they come out and write an email pretending to be somebody else and then bully another person so that they can go incognito. This is a whole new, higher level of bullying, isn't it? Yes, and it's terrible. And it's, um, it's a different level than the kind of bullying you get in schools, the kind of cyberbullying that goes on in schools. Usually the kids in schools that I've seen, it's more overt and straightforward and horrible. I mean, they even cyberbully. There was a case here in Orange County, California, where the kids were cyberbullying um, teachers and doing such things as, you know, putting their head on other bodies and making fun of them and doing all these horrible things, which they eventually uh, did have some criminal statutes that they could go, they could go, and then they could try and find the kids, get the IP address. But you can do it so anonymously. It's yeah. so easy and you could be mean thinking that nobody's ever going to know and that's what encourages people to do that or part of what encourages i mean you have to be 
um, nasty to do that to begin with, but the sense that you can get away with it encourages people. And and that's why it's. I think we're in a time where, because the technology is new, we really haven't figured out how we want to handle it um, and how, you know, that uh, balancing between privacy and safety. And First Amendment rights. And First Amendment rights. And we're figuring it out, and it's going to take us years to come to some a balance line of where we as a society, through our lawmakers, want to draw that. But um, I, and personally, I think people who do that sort of stuff waive any privacy, waive any First Amendment, and... Um, we're talking, you know, most of it is pretty flagrant. Yes. And we just don't have laws like the mother, the famous case, the mother who set up the website so an employee and her daughter can go pretend to be a boy and really come down on this other girl. Who then committed suicide. then committed suicide. I met her mother. I met her mother. Her mother started a foundation. In fact, I was doing a presentation in Sacramento, and it was on... Um, a cyber identity theft. And yes, her mother, I went up to the table. Her mother had a table there and told me the whole story of what had yeah. happened. Absolutely. And it was so tragic. And it was and it was cyber identity theft because she basically a, a pretended, right. she and her daughter pretended to be a boy. That, you know, not a real person, but a boy. And then dump her. Yes. And, and encourage her. Yes. To commit suicide. And the upshot of the case were, was because there were no laws about that, the mother who did all this to that girl moved, had to move because of the publicity, moved to California. There was a court case, and she got off yeah. because the laws weren't good enough. And so that's encouraging us. Uh, there's, a, there's a case in Colorado yes. uh, right now that made it onto TV where um, a boy had sexually harassed a girl these were freshmen in high school, and this was a horrible case because when the girl protested, the school basically made life hard for her. Oh, dear. They didn't stop contact with the boy. When the boy said he was innocent, he didn't do anything, got his friends to jump in and start harassing her, there was a court case, civil court case, where he admitted he had done it. The school didn't throw him out. Life, they allowed his friends, other girls, to pile on through instant messaging, through Facebook, on the the target. Oh, my goodness. Until she left school. Oh. And that's too typical. The school was more afraid of the bullying parents, of the bullying kid, and so they took the easy road and did many things to protect that, that boy. Even after the court case, when he admitted he was guilty and was found guilty. Um, so, but it was a civil case, so, so his parents had to pay the, the right. girl who was, who was being bullied, right? Or her family, her and her family, they had to pay, right? Is that what happened at the end? I mean, that they, they won the court case? They won the, the court case. Yeah. But, the, but the school did nothing. The school did nothing, and the bullying continued. 
Oh, my goodness. Um, so what should schools do? So, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, and this is this is the hard part. You know, kids can do the bullying. I mean, they're they're more likely to do the bullying outside of school. Right. Because they do it on their computers at home or they don't need a computer. They can do it on their iPhone. They right. can do it on any of their electronic devices, their iPad. You know, I mean, anywhere you are, you can send an email or you can go online. So, so what part should schools do? That's a wonderful question. That's, I mean, I always have to tell people there's two paths. There's what you do as a parent with your individual child, and then the one you asked about, which is what do we want schools and police to do? Because that's where you have to get people involved and immediately. So first thing is you never go to the kids or the parents of the kids who are doing it, you as a parent unless you've known them for 20 years. Right. Because they will get defensive, they will protect their little darlings, and they will make it worse. Mm. I call it the Lucius Malfoy test. That is, you have to ask yourself, and you have to ask your principal to stand up to Lucius Malfoy, the remember Harry Potter, the bullying father of the rotten, bullying Draco kid. Right. And, and so you don't want to do that by yourself. First thing you do is proactive. You go to your school today before anything happens, and they should have whatever they call them, assemblies, convocations, meetings, where they talk about cyberbullying, and they bring the local police in to talk about the penalties for cyberbullying, and they talk about how rotten it is, how cowardly it is, and the tremendous effects it'll have on the victim, and also what'll happen to you, the kids who do it. So that's the proactive. And they should be having role plays, I think. Yes. You know, I think that's real powerful. I, I teach at UCI, and I teach a negotiations class, and of course you have to practice that. But role-playing, if they have to play the role of the bullied one. Yes. And and then the bullied one has to, has to play the one of the bullier, you know, and, and kind of see what that feels like and how yucky it feels for both sides, then, you know, it seems to me that that's the kind of thing they need to, to do is to kind of practice them. You know, the the problem also is going to be when you're doing the cyberbullying is you may not know who's doing this and it may be very difficult to get the IP address or to get the police, to make a report, to get the subpoena, to right. get that stuff. I mean, I know if it's, I know how to do it if it's cyber identity theft because then we can actually use some of the, the identity theft statutes in a kind of a creative way, which I've been, ha- ha- you know, able to do. I had a woman, and she's been on my show, so I'll just tell you the story because I think you'll get a kick out of it. Claire Miller uh, was a woman from New York City who called me from, New York City to California. She found me. She saw me on TV, and then she found my website. And she was getting all of these phone calls and all of these men coming to her door. And they were they were basically saying that she had said that she was hot to try it, and she finally, finally was able to find out where this came from. And somebody else had put up a website in her name on a dating site saying, giving her address, her phone number, and saying all those, these things that would entice men to come to her door. And they were all bullying her. Well, you said you wanted to do this. 
long story short, we were able to finally get a police report, finally get an IP address, which took us a while because you have to really prove that you have some reason to do it. And then we could find out from the uh, website owner who this really was. And we found out it was her roommate from 10 years earlier who was bullying her. So it is not easy. And we're seeing a lot of this where people can go incognito and it's very difficult to find out who that person really is. So if you're at a school where you're seeing this kind of bullying, I guess the only thing you can do is like not point fingers, but really educate them as to what this feels like and how this really works. Would you agree? Yes. And what will happen over time, uh, here's me putting on the Swami's hat, what will happen over time is we will make stricter laws because of um, problems like you're talking about and the devastation to people's lives will start becoming more important than First Amendment or hiding identity. And there's one I also ought to say about role-playing because this is where it comes down to parents and schools. You, as a parent, have to really push for and support that we're going to do this. The school has to, because there will be parents who say, my little darling came home very upset because he was role-playing a victim, and his feelings were hurt. Yes, yes. So, I mean, this has to be something in our consciousness that that kind of hurt feeling or upset is worth yes. the benefit of stopping the kind of bullying. Like in the case I was talking about, there were something like at least 100 messages a day oh calling God. this poor girl the kind of names you'd call, you know, that you used to have written on the bathroom walls. I don't want right. to say it on the radio, but right. we all know those words. Right, right. You know, um, the four-letter words for round heels, you know, that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and, and it's going to shift, and you're right, it's very hard. And that's why you have to get the police involved, and that's why the school has to get involved, even if it doesn't happen on school grounds or using school computers. It's an education. It's, it's part a- of your education at high school or grade school. I think it should start at grade school because these kids – the problem is a lot of this is happening online and a lot of the older parents aren't as savvy technologically as their kids are. They're not, you know, they have to go on and see what are they doing on Facebook. They need to go and see this kind of stuff. They don't even have a clue. That's the problem is that the kids are are really more savvy technologically than the parents are. So the parents really don't even know how to deal with this. And in addition to that, and I think even worse than that, are the parents who protect their little darlings. Yes. On my blog uh, a couple of weeks ago, I just wrote a post of uh, mean moms protecting their mean daughters. Right. And that's becoming an epidemic. It's the same for mean parents protecting their mean sons, where it's um, when their kids do something and parents come or the school comes, they blow it off. They say, oh, that's just kid stuff. Or, oh, my darling would never do that. Or, oh, that's too bad. I'm glad she's a leader. Right. Right. You know, and and, uh, you you just dumbfounded because you say, look at the damage. 
damage you're causing yes. to, the, to those. Ch- and look at the damage you're causing your child who's going to grow up thinking that's okay. Right. It, um, it has to be a whole mindset because um, if the school brings the kid in and the parents don't do anything about it, then the kids will get like what happened in that case in Colorado. Well, those kids will get all the other kids to taunt that one person who was bullied and then everybody's bullying them. Yeah. There's a great book out um, by Dan Solov, who's an attorney and a law professor, and it's called The Future of Reputation on the Internet. And we had I read the book and we had him on our show. And basically it was it included without him actually calling it cyberbullying. He called it reputation where people would start to taunt other people and everybody kind of join in on the game you know, and, and attack and can attack a reputation. In fact, we had another guy on our show called, um, he, he owns a, he's the CEO of a company called Reputation Defender to repu- to defend your reputation on the internet, to kind of hide that stuff that people are saying about you. <laughs> yes. It's, I mean, this is the kind of world with, that we're in, you know, and it gets to this whole issue of, it's, it's a real problem I see as the difference between protecting privacy and free speech and letting things come out of the, you know, of the closet that are true, you know, because if, if you want to say something about a doctor that, you know, you go on one of these sites about complaints, I had a doctor who did this to me and I would not recommend him, you know, should that be taken off? Is that considered cyberbullying? You know what I mean? Yes. How do you define this? It's, it's a hard one. And yet, I think it will happen because it does. The the cure starts with laws, because where society that goes for laws, and we'll see over time that there's a difference between someone writing in that story we're talking about, writing her name on the bathroom wall in a bar, right, which can be eventually painted over, right, and has a limited clientele. You put it up on the net, and it's, it's there. Never goes away. Ever. Even yes. if you take it down, it'll even be if you else. delete it, right, right. Yes. It's it's replicated somewhere else. It's like anything you put up, just it's everywhere, and it's never gone. And and so we will move as a society because of the incidence of suicide of kids who are brutalized by that sort of cyberbullying because of the incidents of people uh, like her, where we will move towards trying to make laws that can distinguish as best we can, and it won't be perfect, you know, as a lawyer. I mean, if a law works for 90% of the cases sort of straightforwardly, well, you should be thrilled. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we will do that just like we limited free speech, so you can't yell fire in a theater. right. Right. You know, and there are certain things you can't hate, say. Certain thing, hate speech, yep. Yeah, hate speech. And we'll try to, you know, and there's an example where we'll try to do it by defining protected classes. Right. But I think that will go because anyone who's outside the protected class still needs protection. Exactly. See, bullies, here's another one. Bullies don't bully because someone is a different skin color or a different religion or a different whatever, different gender, uh, different sexual preference. They bully because they're bullies, and they pick 
that to bully about. This is the Ben Leifling yes. <laughs> voice of experience. And if they don't pick that one, they'll pick someone else. Right. They'll pick some other thing to go after people. They're just looking for something to go after. And, and, and so, I think it's also contagious. Oh, I think definitely. that's the danger. If you think about what happened, you know, over in uh, in Iraq, you know, guys who would never taunt and be bullies to to prisoners. Okay, yeah. once one started, people who never would have done it before. There's a whole psychology about that. That once one person bullies. It is contagious. People who never would bully will then start bullying. And that's what's happening on the Internet. It becomes this whole group bully. It, it, it's, you're caught up in it, right? Yes. And there's a sentence I want to insert in what you said, which was absolutely right. It's once one person does it and gets away with it, then people pile on. In a sense, we're talking about Shared values and standards. Yes. And what that's about is we just don't do that. I mean, as a parent, to say that to a child, we, and fill in your last name, we just don't act like that. Sets a very high value. And when people see other people getting away with the lowest, rottenest behavior, it pulls everyone down to it. Yes. And we, you won't believe this, we are out of time. I'd love you to just please give your website so people can learn more and they can find out where to get your books. Oh, yes, thank you. Easy to remember. Bulliesbegone.com. One word, bullies, B-E-G-O-N-E.com. And buy all the books from there. Call me up for coaching consulting there. And the other thing, the one message starts with, you can take charge of your future, take charge of your life, create a bully-free life. You can do that. We know how to do that. You can do the work. And, you know, we have bullies even out in the countries. You know, when you think about Iran and the heads of state of many of these countries, North Korea, China, there are bullies at the individual level and there's bullies at the country level. And so we can each start one at a time and change the world. And we thank you so much. You've been a terrific guest, Ben, and I want everybody to go ahead and look at these books and consider not allowing themselves to be bullied and not allowing their friends or family or children. So thank you so much, and we hope to have you back again. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you very much, Mari, and I would look forward to it. Okay. Have a great day. You too. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. There you're going to see pictures and bios of our upcoming guests. You can look at their websites. You can also download podcasts and listen to archived interviews. And thank you so much. Please write us emails about what is worrisome or interesting to you about privacy in the information age. Bye. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.